you know, parenting is full of revelations. Uh, I think when I first held Weston in the hospital, I had a stark revelation. And I'll never forget holding each of our kids, but particularly with Weston because he was our first. Holding him there in the hospital room and looking at him, thinking he was the most beautiful kid in the world, even though he had a cone head and I couldn't see it because I was his dad, you know, I was blinded by love. And sitting there holding him and thinking to myself, I can't believe that all my life, my parents have loved me like I feel towards this boy. That's a profound revelation. Those kind of revelations continue through all parenting. Where you realize things as a parent that you could have never realized as a kid. Most of those I'm really thankful for. Some of those I wish didn't happen. I don't know if you have had this revelation, but I have seen my kids doing things in disobedience and rebellion that look a whole lot like me when I was their age. Can you relate to that? Somebody lied just now. (laughs) Uh, Well, one of the things when I see that happening that I realize is that when I went through my own issues as a kid with not wanting to do certain things our family was doing or being disobedient or resistant, I never took into account when I was a kid what that made my parents feel like. I was always more concerned with how I felt in the moment. I mean, my life was pretty much, as a kid, just what mattered to me. But now as a parent, watching my own kids, I I realize more about what it must have felt like for my parents when they saw me being disobedient, hard-hearted, or resistant to the Lord. And things like that make me want to be a better parent. You know, having this perspective on What my parents went through with me makes me want to help my kids even more than my parents helped me. I don't know any parent who doesn't want their kids to do a better job parenting than they did. No matter how good or bad they may have been, parents always want want their kids to do better. And I so desperately want to do a better job than my parents You see, I want my kids to be quicker to repent than I was. I want my kids to love God's Word more than I ever loved it as a kid. I want my kids to be quick to obedience. And I want them to long to know the Lord. I so desperately want my kids to know Christ. And I recognize that one of the great challenges in their life for knowing Christ is how they are responding to the stuff in their life that they don't like. They're just like we are. And we struggle with this whole thing of stuff in life we don't like. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe 
something at home, maybe it's something with co-worker, maybe it's something in a family member, maybe it's something with your spouse. Things happen that just make life difficult. It makes it feel hard. And our kids go through their own experiences like that within our home, and I think it's imperative that as parents we know how to help our kids live through the parts of life that they don't like. And I'm so serious about this that I'm going to make some statements tonight that you might think are exaggerated or extreme, but I want you to understand that how our kids respond to the areas of their lives that they don't like has everything to do with their eternity. And I think it's important that we as parents know how to help them through the elements of life that they don't like. For them, it may be friendships at school or friendships at church. It may be activities uh, at church that they don't like. It may be something in your family, a family rule, a family expectation. Maybe you're trying to do family devotions. They're just not on board. There's a host of things in your kid's life that can make them say things like, well, this just isn't fair. You ever heard that before? That's just an indicator of, I don't like how this feels right now, and I want it to be different. I think it's important that we know how to parent them through those experiences. Because every one of our kids, at some level, is going to go through the difficulties of life at their age. And if they don't get how to walk through those, their faith is not going to make it. I want to build on two presuppositions. These are biblically based. Let me give you two of them. Here they are. Number one, parents are in charge and responsible for the training of their children until they leave home. So while your kids are at home, no matter how old they are, when they're in your home, living in your home, you're responsible for training them in godliness. And you are in charge. They are not in charge. What they want, is not as important as what you want. What they think, what they feel, what they say, insignificant. You're in charge. What they say is theirs is not really theirs. Their bedroom, their bed, their clothes, that's not their stuff. That's your stuff. You're in charge. And you're responsible. All right? Make sense? That's right. All the kids are like, I want to know where this is going. Okay, presupposition number two. The goal of our parenting is to get our kids to leave home. Amen? Can I hear amen? I knew there was one coming there. The goal of our parenting is to get them to leave home and walk in godliness. To do what God calls them to do, no matter what it is. Now, I have seen parents try to convince their kids that God is calling you to do this or that because it's what the parent wants the kid to do. I've seen Christian parents try to convince a child in college that God's not called them to the mission field in short-term experiences because that's certainly not what they want their kid to do. That's not the goal. The goal is not to get your kids to do what you want them to do. 
The goal is to get your kid to do what Christ wants them to do, no matter what that is, even if it's not what you want them to do, even if it puts their life in jeopardy, even if it causes them to lose their life for the sake of Christ. The goal is to get them to walk with Jesus Christ. The goal is godliness. We've got to let go of this idea that parenting is about making our, li- uh, the ki- our kids' lives enjoyable, successful, having all kinds of opportunities, a full of contentment, all kinds of fun and excitement, so they have a good, happy life, happier than what we had. That is not the goal of parenting. If that is the way you're living your parenting life, let me just tell you, it's going to be a lot harder to succeed at that goal than it is to succeed at godliness. Because this life is not designed to give us all the things we want. And we're going to discover if that's our pursuit, all the things we get that we thought we wanted are going to leave us empty. It's just a whole lot better and frankly a whole lot easier to pursue the goal of godliness over all the things we would think would be successful in the world's eyes. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's a whole lot more satisfying. So there are two presuppositions, and we're going to jump into a biblical text to answer the question, how do we live life when things don't go the way we want them to go? In particular, we're going to apply these truths to how we parent in the home. Now, we're asking a theological question. We're asking the question, how do we raise our kids in a way that they walk through areas of life they don't like, such that their faith actually grows? That's the theological question we're asking. We're going to look to God's Word to answer it. We're going to look in the book of 1 Peter. Now, the reason I've chosen 1 Peter is because 1 Peter is an entire letter, a book about suffering. Through the context of this five-chapter small book, the word suffering, or the, the, the topic of suffering, is dealt with 16 different times. It's predominant. It's an incredible theme through this book. In fact, it occurs in every chapter of 1 Peter. I want to encourage you tonight that in one of the ways you can respond to this message is to actually take the book of 1 Peter and begin to teach it to your kids, the truths in there, because so much of it has to do with suffering. It's incredible. So we're just going to scratch the surface and get us started in that direction. And we're simply going to look at the first little bit of 1 Peter together. And so that you can get it moving in the right direction of training your children for a foundation of truth to deal with the things in life they don't like. All right? So let's look specifically at verses. We're going to read verses 3 through 9. I'm going to focus in on verses 6 and 7. But you've got to get these surrounding verses to catch the full context here. So read along with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. For an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, which is kept in heaven for you, who are protected or guarded by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Here's six. This is where we're going to focus in. In this, you exceedingly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the testing 
of your faith, which is more precious than gold, which perishes even though tested by fire, might be found for praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Even though you have not seen, you love. Even though you do not see now, you believe and you rejoice with joy inexpressible and glorious. Obtaining is the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amazing passage. And so much of this passage hinges upon how you act in suffering. So look at verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you grieve by various trials. Now I want you to just focus in on, in this you greatly rejoice. Now we know from this passage that the people that Peter is addressing are suffering. Things are not going in their lives like they would like them to go. It's difficult. Bringing grief and sorrow. And Peter says, you guys are rejoicing even though things in your life are not going the way you want them to go. Now as a parent, what you want to see your kids do is come to a place in their life when things don't go well instead of becoming a complainer a quitter, a sour attitude where they say, you know, I don't like the way things are. I don't like the fact this is going on, but I'm going to rejoice in the midst of what I don't like. That's what we want our kids to do. We want them to exhibit that kind of attitude. That's the kind of attitude that will keep them grounded in a deepening faith in Christ, rejoicing in the midst of difficulty. Now, no kid naturally wants to do that. I mean, have you met a kid when things don't go well? They just go, hey, happy day. Things are rotten. Just want to rejoice a minute. I mean, do you know any kid that's naturally like that? No. The kid's natural response is, I don't like this. This is not fair. This is not good. Why is this happening to me? Can't you change this? Why do I have to go there? Why do I have to do this? Why are you always making me... Do this. I mean, have you heard these things? That's their natural response. But what we want them to get to the places being able to say, I don't like what I'm experiencing, but I will not let the fact that I'm experiencing stuff I don't like change my attitude of rejoicing. I'm going to trust in the Lord and rejoice. Well, how do you get them there? I mean, isn't that what we want to know tonight? How do we move our kids to that place? All right. Here it is. It says, in this you greatly rejoice. What is in this referring to? That little pronoun is referring to what Peter has just stated. And he has just given us a description of salvation. We could say it like this. Peter has just told us the significance of knowing Christ in salvation. If you want your children to be able to rejoice even in difficulty, to have an attitude that brings about the deepening of faith instead of the attitude that crushes faith. See, here's the attitude that deepens faith. I'm going to trust the Lord with a great attitude even though what I'm experiencing is really horrible. That deepens faith. 
This is the attitude that crushes faith. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't like it, and I am mad. I'm mad at mom and dad. I'm mad at the church. I'm mad at my friends. And ultimately, what your kid is actually communicating is I am mad at God for bringing this into my life. That will crush their faith. And so what do we have to do as parents? We have to be absolutely diligent and dedicated, devoted to teaching our kids the truths about salvation and knowing God in salvation. If your kid does not understand the elementary truths of salvation, they will never rejoice in the difficulty of this life. The difficulty of this life will always sap their faith if their faith is not rooted in the knowledge of God in salvation. Let me just tell you, if you cannot explain the glories of salvation to your children, we need to work on that together. I have tried very hard over the last several months to make sure that every time the opportunity presents itself within the Gospel of Matthew, that I lay out the specifics of the glory of salvation. And you ought to be taking those teachings and implementing them into the marvel and wonder and admiration of God in your home for His salvation. Your kids ought to know just how rotten they are outside of Christ. I mean, that sounds kind of fun as a parent to let your kids know just how bad they are. I mean, you ought to tell them just how sinful they really are in the eyes of a holy God. And just how severe the wrath of God will fall upon them if they have no remedy for that sin. Your kids ought to know how desperately wicked they are apart from Christ. If your kids don't understand the desperation of their sin, they will never understand the glory of the cross. And if they don't understand the glory of the cross, they're going to find more solace in the good things in life and be hacked off at God for the bad things in life because they've got to have a faith rooted in the glory of salvation. Your kids have got to understand just how amazing it is that God has saved them by His mercy. If your kids think they deserve things in life, they've misunderstood salvation. If your kids think that they've got a raw deal somewhere in their life, they've misunderstood salvation. If your kids aren't happy with the things, the way things are going and they think they ought to be better because they deserve that or things shouldn't just be that way, they've misunderstood salvation. They deserve the wrath of God. And it's only by God's mercy that He's rescued them. And so through faith in Jesus Christ, they have protected by the power of God. Guess what? That protection is for an eternal salvation. That protection is not to keep them from the difficulties of this life. It's in the difficulties of this life they are to praise God because of the significance of His salvation that is eternal way beyond this life out of His love and mercy. Our kids have to get salvation. If they don't understand God and know Him in salvation, they will never be able to rejoice in the difficulties they face. You ought to make it a weekly endeavor in your home. To point out the glories of salvation. There is no greater truth. Than God rescuing one. Who could not rescue himself. There is no greater truth than recognizing. That if I was given what is fair. I've been given the wrath of God. 
but because of God's mercy. I am experiencing salvation right now in the midst of all the world's brokenness. And I am being protected for a salvation that is going to be delivered to me because of the faithfulness of Christ. You've got to teach salvation. Again and again and again. You begin to perceive discontentment, teach salvation. You begin to perceive resistance, teach salvation. You begin to perceive poor attitudes, teach the glory of the work of Christ in saving them. And then call for rejoicing, no matter what. Kids got to get that. The next phrase. If for a little while, if necessary, you're grieved by various trials... The fact is, every single one of us, and your kids need to get this, is going to experience trials in life. Life is just full of difficulties. If we just took a poll tonight of who experienced some level of difficulty in the last seven days, I'm, I'm certain it would represent almost every one of us in this place. And if we went to about 14 days, I'm certain that every one of us in this place would raise your hand. We all have difficulties. We all experience trials. But guess what? They're only for a little while. And I recognize, I'm just like you, in the midst of a trial, it feels like forever. And in the mind of a 12-year-old or a 16-year-old, when things don't go right with a friend or whatever, it feels like the world has come to an end. It is important for us as parents that we train our children to see their life through the lens of eternity. They need to understand that what they experience in this life is but for a moment. If you were to put all the difficulty of the worst and hardest life lived on this earth and compare that to the eternity of salvation that Christ gives, the amount of suffering that we, any of us, will ever experience is so insignificant that it's practically, totally irrelevant. Our eternity is going to be so filled with joy that this life being just a vapor, even if it was full of the worst of all suffering, we have an eternity of joy waiting for us in Christ. You've got to train your kids to see their lives through the lens of eternity. What's happening today will not be happening in six months. What's 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 making you feel like is the end of the world for you because Sally said she didn't like your hairdo. Guess what? That hairdo will be out of style in six months. Who cares? Let's think about eternity here. Let's don't just think about the moment. Let's look through the lens of eternity and then reevaluate how we see the moment. You've got to see the moments of your life through the lens of eternity and recognize that every bit of suffering that occurs in your life is only but a moment. It's not how you're supposed to define life. And it's certainly not how you're supposed to understand the measure of God's love for you, which is really discovered in the, in the word necessary. Now that's a strange way to talk about suffering. 
particularly after Peter has said, we're protected by the power of God for salvation. It's ready to be revealed. And then he says, necessary. These things that we go through in life that we don't like, according to God, are necessary. What that means is that God has a purpose. He has a reason for allowing and orchestrating certain things in our lives that we would otherwise not want. He has a reason for, for taking the things in our lives that we don't like and doing something with them. They are necessary. What that says to me is that God has a purpose. What that says to me is that God has a reason. What that says to me is that God's going to do something really incredible with the things I don't like if I keep trusting Him. What that says to me is that the measure of God's love for me is not the bad things happening in my life. The things in my life that are happening that I don't like are not because God's angry with me. It's not because God has it out for me. It's not because God's punishing me. It's not any of that kind of thing. It's because I live in this world and it's in this world that God is redeeming and refining me and He has made these things necessary so that the measure of His love might be understood in the way He does something with the things in my life He doesn't that I don't like. See, the measure of God's love in my life is not based upon the amount of great things versus the amount of bad things. No, the measure of God's love for my life is what He does with the things I don't like. I don't know God loves me because even when my life is at its worst, He's taking those worst things, redeeming them, and giving me joy and hope for eternity. That's the measure of God's love. You need to make sure your kids understand the necessity of these difficulties and that they embrace the reality that they can measure God's love by how He redeems the difficult things they experience as they trust Him. Here's the deal. Your kids do not need an adversity-free life. They need to learn to live in faith through the adversity. And we as parents need to stop being people who try to make our kids have less adversity. And we need to teach them how to live in Christ through it. Because I promise you, when they leave your home, they're not going to have mom and dad to alleviate the adversity. And the enemy is going to wreak havoc in their faith. We need to teach them to walk through it. It's necessary. And Peter tells us why. He says, verse 7, that the testing of your faith, which is more precious than gold, which is destroyed even though tested by fire, might be found to produce praise, glory, and honor the revelation of Jesus Christ. Why are these things necessary? Because they test your faith. That word test there is a word that brings forth the genuineness of something. It's to test to show that it's approved and genuine. The difficulties in the lives of your kids are there to bring forth the genuine faith that God has planted in their lives. And it is your responsibility as mom and dad 
to so train them and guide them and nurture them in their faith that that genuine faith makes it to the surface of their lives. Their eternity depends upon it. They place their faith in Christ as a little guy or a little girl. And you seek to alleviate some difficulties they walk through because you don't want them to hurt. Let me ask you this question. If you're constantly rescuing your kids out of the crucible of life, what will become of their faith? I don't like to see my kids suffer any more than you do. But I want to be a father who cares more about their faith than how they feel in a moment. We got to train our children so that they are more concerned about living by faith than by what they feel. That's genuine faith. A faith that says, I'm going to trust the Lord even though I don't feel like it. I'm going to follow the Lord because this is right even though it's not really very appealing to me in this moment. You bring forth that kind of genuine faith when you train your kids to walk through the difficulty. And they will operate on the basis of the truths and the promises of God's word rather than how they feel about things. Have you observed our culture lately? Do many people in our culture make decisions in their life based upon principles, truths, and promises by God? Or are they making the decisions on the basis of how they feel or what they want? Who do you want your kid to be? Every influence right now in our culture is crying out for our kids to do and to be whatever they feel like being. It takes people straight to hell. We've got to train our children to be people of faith who trust in the promises of God no matter how they feel. Teach them the promises of God. And help them walk through difficulty so that they learn how to operate on the basis of faith, not how they feel. Very, very difficult to train your children to walk by faith and not by how they feel if you're always removing the difficulty from their lives. I'm convinced that every kid needs a little difficulty in their lives so that their faith can be proven genuine there's an ultimate result here that Peter gives us so that may be found for the praise and the glory and the honor in the revelation of Jesus Christ there is a greater and more significant reason for trusting Christ in difficulty And we need to make sure that our kids understand the significance of praise, glory, and honor in the revelation of Jesus Christ that is given to those who are faithful to trust Christ no matter what. Moms and dads, do you want to hear the Lord say to your kids, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Do you want to see your kids receive glory? as one who has a share in the inheritance of Christ? 
do you want to see God dispense honor that alone belongs to Christ and His reward because your child has trusted Christ no matter what? Then teach them the most significant reasons for trusting Christ. This life is merely preparation for an eternity of joy in Christ And there is nothing like being right before God. Teach your kids the value of the praise and the glory and the honor that comes from God for those who trust in Christ. Teach them and train them. I don't know that anything is more important than your kids knowing how to live through difficulty. They're going to face it. And if you don't teach them, Their faith's not going to make it. Now, parents, I have a specific word for you tonight. Here it is. The greatest way that you can teach your kids how to follow Christ through the things in life you don't like, they don't like, is to make sure you're doing it yourself. You can tell them, you can teach them, You can pound it in their heads, but if what you do is not what you've taught them, they are going to be totally confused. They have got to see you trusting Christ. Even when things in your life are not like you want them to be. If you expect them to get this glorious truth, of suffering in Christ for the glory of Christ so that He refines our faith, then you've got to be living it out. And so for us parents tonight, you know where this really begins for all of us? Myself included. This begins tonight for us in repentance, brokenness. Lord, I want to be the kind of person that trusts you and follows you no matter what happens in my life. I don't want to exhibit attitudes when things happen in my life that say to my kids, I don't think your promises are real right now in this moment. I don't want to exhibit things in my life that call into question the promises I'm trying to instill in my kids. Lord, I want you to break me and lead me in repentance so that the greatest lesson I teach my kids is the way I live before you. So that the words that I show them, so that the scriptures that I read them, they connect with me and my life, even in my failure, because my brokenness and repentance points them to Christ. That's where we need to begin tonight. And that's what I'm asking from you. We'd all start there. Now, kids, i got something to say to you too. So if you're here and you're classified as a kid still, look my way. Here's my question. Will you decide tonight that you will follow Christ no matter what? Will you just make the decision tonight the best you can? I'm going to follow Christ no matter what. It's so worth it. It'll change the rest of your life. Follow Him. No matter what. There's nothing like a life lived for Christ. Even in the worst of moments. Will you make that decision?